Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to recruit, support, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to help boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. So today I have an awesome guest with me. Her name is Margaret V. Brock. She is a Washington State University faculty professor and WSU extension in Chelan and Douglas County as a director. In addition to administrative responsibility, she manages a three-county SNAP-Ed nutrition education program and a six-state project for women involved in agriculture, teaches food safety, and administers a diabetes prevention program and provides a risk management education for farms and families. Margaret has served in a variety of leadership positions in a national and state organization and is well known for her enthusiasm for her work, outstanding educational programs, and national recognition. Thank you, Margaret, for joining today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay! So, Today's episode, I really want to talk about extension programs and the vitality for all FCS programs of what it brings to the table for us teachers. Would you care to talk about it? Thank you. Okay. Well, just to give you a little background on extension, first of all, if if some of you are hearing this for the first time, is that extension programs were created in in every state in the nation that had a land-grant university. It was part of a land-grant university system. So back in the 1800s, and the whole idea behind it was to bring the research and education from the campuses to people who lived in communities who were place-bound. And so you're all familiar with 4-H, and that was one of our first programs, and agricultural programs, programs for what we called homemakers to make life easier for them. And so over the many, many years, it has changed its complexion, gone into a lot of different areas, but basically it's the same as, as extension programs are in just about every county and every state in the nation or multiple counties working together to bring the research and education from the campus to the people to where they live. And so depending on what you're interested in, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in youth development, it's in parenting, it's in food safety, Extension has something to offer for everyone. Now, that's really exciting. So is there a, are there extensions in, or extension, I'm sorry, there's no S, by the way, (laughs) extension programs across the nation, or is it really pick and choose for certain states? Nope, it's in every state. So like ours is called Washington State University Extension and Oregon State University Extension, Kansas Extension. It just depends on the state that you're at and how they put the words together, but they all have the word extension. Sometimes they're called cooperative extension, depending on the area and what they're called, but they all uh, drive back to the land-grant university. And here in Washington, our land-grant university is Washington State. So as extension people, uh, employees, we are faculty at WSU, but located in a county rather than on the campus at home. Okay. Now, what if you have like, so here in Washington, we have University of Washington. So that's another huge 
university. So how is it that the extension programs are um, associate with more with just one or two major universities within each state, or is it just just the one? So when it was established back in the 1800s, there was a land grant university that was picked that was going to be what they probably called at that time the agricultural university. And there was one where the federal funding went toward that. And that's what's happened. So basically, in, in every state, there's, there's one land-grant university. And in some of our southern states, there's two. You know, And so that's where the extension programs originate, was with the land-grant university. So in this state, we have several universities that are known for a variety of different things. But there's only one land-grant university that has, has the extension program. Okay. You know, you hear about extension classes, and so that gets confusing to people. You can take an extension class, and that's kind of referred to as a, a class coming from a university that's an extension of the university that you can take in your county or in your community. But we try to put Washington State University Extension in front of it to denote that it's part of the land-grant system. Okay. So here you're just giving me a wealth of information because uh, yeah yeah I don't know the differences between these extension programs and what um, they're designed to do to better my own classroom. So what is it that um, so I teach foods one so foods and nutrition one and interior design uh, for this this school year so. With that, what sort of extension program or what can you do that could help me be a better teacher in my classroom? Well, the the one exciting thing about having a career in extension is that depending on where you live and your community that you work in or your counties that you work in, the, the program emphasis that you have is based on what you see as the needs in those areas where you're located. So... Where I'm located, you know, done lots of needs assessment, working with community groups, things that I've observed, things that I know about, and I know the things that are important. And so all of us that work in extension design our programs based on the community needs. So what may be important in the Chelan-Douglas County area where I work or statewide, the things that I do, may not be important for somebody who's in extension that might be located in another county in another state. They would have something else that's important there and things to emphasize. Or there are some core values and some core types of educational programming that's done probably all over. And so when you talk about or ask the question of, of what do I have that would be valuable to you as a teacher, I think that's a conversation that anybody in, in, a, in classroom education needs to have with their local extension office. You know, what is it that you do that we could collaborate on or that I could offer to you or you could offer to me where we could work together. So in your instance, if if I were in your location, one of my programs, I have an emphasis in, in food safety. I have an emphasis in food and nutrition. And so you would say, well, Margaret, what can you, what can you talk to my students about? What can you come and, and give to us that would be a different perspective? Well, there's a couple of things. I can talk about my career, which is different than your career, but we all fall under the umbrella of family consumer sciences. And then we could pick a topic, you know, and say, well, what can you share with my students in about food safety? And I said, well, you know, I can, I can share something with you about what's happening on the horizon. What's the most important thing happening in food safety now? 
how are people getting sick or or how do we avoid getting sick or having a foodborne illness? You know, and 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 we we talk that through, and then that's that's a presentation that I can do for you. Or you may say, well, what what can you tell me about another area that you work in, like uh, health and nutrition? And so one of my emphasis is preventing diabetes. And so I have a I have a grant to teach um, people who have the potential symptoms or have the symptoms or the the probability of having diabetes later in life. So how do we help people prevent that? So we can talk about prevention science and things that work that way. And so I would encourage FCS teachers to reach out to their local extension office and find out, you know, what is it that you offer that you could share with my students and career-wise or subject matter-wise? How many specialized programs are available through the extension pro through the extension well if you're just talking about within the family and consumer science area there it depends on the person that's in the county or where they might be located what their specialty is but there's lots of things offered in youth development uh, our 4-h program is very large but there's other types of of youth development types of, of programs of the outdoors the environment um, learning learning things that way uh, it could be something in parenting. It could be something in um, uh, besides food and nutrition. It could be food safety. Like I said, the diabetes education. I'm just trying to think of some of the, some of the other areas that people might work in is family finance. Some might have an emphasis in housing. Uh, some have an emphasis maybe in 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 clothing. It just depends on where that person is located and what was determined important in their area. That's not to say that if I were contacted and you would ask me, Margaret, could you come and talk to our class about this particular topic? Because I really don't know anything about it. You know, I can I can find something. I can look something up. I can talk to my colleagues to share some information. So it's 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 not that I'm I'm stuck in my rut and I say, well, I can only talk about these three things, you know, and, and you say, I'm really looking for a speaker. You know, can you can you talk or can you direct me? Because I have a lot of community contacts. Most extension people do because they work out in the community. Well, how about if you call up so-and-so? I think they could be the person that could really help you out on this. So we help you make connections as well. Yeah. And gosh, in what we do as you know, within our classrooms, having those community partners, that makes and breaks our program. So that's great that you have you have access to so many community partners to be able to get more information or be able to extend the help, the helping hand to come into our virtual classroom and be able to, to speak on, on certain subject matters. Uh, I love it. Uh, There's, I think the, just with talking to you, there's so much information that I'm learning from you. Like currently right now, I have, I actually went to the extension wsu.edu uh, and I'm able to read all of these various programs that are available. So such a, you, like you mentioned, 4-H, but I also see there is a digital inclusion program. I'm really interested in that just because I love technology and I'm all about the digital type stuff right now. But then there's diversity initiatives and resources. 
uh, gosh, then it goes into like livestock nutrient ma uh, management, master gardener programs, food safety programs, there's child and family research unit. So gosh, there's a whole bunch of information. So please, so if you're listening, go to your state's extension programs, just because there's a bunch, there's a bunch of amazing people who are out there who want to share their information with you. So just to give you a couple other ideas of, of things that just are, are local to us is, is we have a program called Helping Children Cope with Divorce. And so we've worked with the judges in our two counties, and they have made it a, a mandate that anybody who is getting a divorce that has children will take part in, in a program that, that we teach about how to put children first. And so it's working with parents on before they, they get their official divorce of, of how do you work with your children to get them through this and where children are the most important important aspect of a divorce, teaching them it's not their fault that it happened and, and helping everybody cope and get through it. Another program that we have that's across the state in a lot of areas is called Strengthening Families. And that's a, that's um. It, it's kind of a parenting program, but it, but it works with the kids and it works with the families. When we bring them together, the kids go into a session, the adults go into a session, then they come back together for a third session together of learning about why we have rules, why we're a parent and what we're trying to do, what your responsibilities are as, as a, a contributing member of this family as a child. And so it's, it's helping families develop some new parenting patterns to help them make their family successful, particularly if they've had some issues and what family hasn't had some issues, but I'm just learning to, to do it better. We, we don't think people are bad parents. We just want to give them the skills to be a better parent and, and pick up on something new. And when we talk about things that, that we do that maybe are a little bit out of their element, it's, it's one of the programs that I have is, is called... Um, it's called Women in Agriculture, Women, Farms, and Food. And, it, and it's working with women who are farmers. And in Washington State, more than 38% of the farms are owned by women. So it's an, it's an up-and-coming program that we, well, we've been doing it for, for nearly 20 years now of, of programming uh, for women involved in agriculture and, and teaching them to handle the risks that are involved with that. We don't necessarily teach about the dirt and the soil and the management and the irrigation systems and things like that, but we talk about the risk factors involved with the financial risks, the, the risks involved with insurance, labor, working with your family, um, taking over the farm, coming home as a woman to work on the farm, those sorts of things. And so it's not necessarily, and I want to emphasize this, family consumer science is, is not just cooking and sewing as we knew it from the very beginning. It's many, many different things that take on a different complexion that make a career very exciting. No, that does. I mean, just listening to you talk about the very, those two vastly different programs. One, I think everybody has been affected or touched by somebody who has been a part of divorce and that is powerful, knowing that those judges and the extension program created something 
that is about putting children first and not being and not being able to feel like they are the cause of a divorce or anything like that that's valuable and powerful because yeah we've all been, we all know somebody who's been either divorced or we are divorced uh in raising a family so that's that's in, that's incredible work that those people have put into bettering the community. Oh gosh, what else? And then the women in agriculture itself. That's that's incredible work. Um and is that a program that you that you started off 20 years ago or how did that how did that program come about? Well, it it, it did come about through through a variety of different ways is that I was doing program with colleagues in several states, including Washington, uh, working with, with farm families, whether it was succession planning or the health of the male farmer or uh, a variety of different things that way. And, and I noticed as we went to commodity meetings and different things, there, there weren't very many women there. And I thought, where are these women? You know, they play significant roles. And so the, the roles, the roles vary. The roles vary from they might be the bookkeeper, they might actually be on the tractor, or they might be the person who has the job off the farm to help to support the farm. You know, and so they all play a major role. But as we interviewed women through focus groups, we found out they didn't feel comfortable going to meetings uh, that were dominated by men. They have a different learning style. And they and and the big thing with them is networking. They want to talk to other people to find out what they're doing how they're doing it, how they're surviving, how they've been successful, and what, of course, hasn't worked for them as well. And so that's what started bringing women together. And we started on a, on a statewide basis, and then we went regionally. And, and now, 15 years later, we're using technology. And we're in six states on a given Saturday with a very large program that's attracted close to 600 women participating in about 40 sites in those in those six states that come together for an all-day workshop. And then in those states, then there's subsequent sessions after that to bring those women together again to learn more things. These are like continuing education credits. How much does it does it cost money to be a part of the extension? Does it cost money to be a part of these workshops for continued education? Or how does one get involved into becoming part of these workshops? Well, we don't really offer offer credits particularly for someone coming to something. Uh, there may be a certificate involved. Uh, in extension programs like the Master Gardener program, getting a certificate, or you become a uh, you become a, a a coach for the diabetes education, or you become an instructor for the coping with divorce class, those sorts of things. But generally, you contact your extension office, you look at their website to see what they have available. A lot of places charge a registration fee just to help cover some costs, and it just depends on how the program is working. There still are free programs out there. You know, because you are taxpayers and you're supporting the university and you're and you're and you're supporting your your county extension office through through the, the county taxes that you pay. And so it's a matter of just contacting them. But well, we don't particularly offer class credit or anything like that. It's it's continuing education to make you better at what you do, um, give you a different insight into something, learn some new skills. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, just with you mentioning uh, how women learn um, or want to be part of something, but we do things differently. Yeah. You touched on a major thing where I loved network. (laughs) I love, I love meeting you. I love meeting everybody who has come onto the podcast and people I've talked to off of the podcast. Um, I love networking and I love finding out new information and figuring out how it can apply to either my own personal life or my professional life. So yes, there is a distinct difference between how men work and how women work. (laughs) I think the thing that I try to emphasize when I'm I'm teaching classes or doing presentations is is I like to talk about a takeaway message. You know, what was the takeaway message for you? You know, and what are you going to do with it? Because I, I think with a lot of people, but particularly women, they want to be able to go home and apply what they've learned instead of saying, oh, that was nice. Now let's go home and get back to work. You know, uh, we we try to emphasize, you know, what was the takeaway message for you and what are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to know that you've applied it, that it's become important, you've incorporated it? And so that's a thing over all of my years of, of working with people and teaching that I, I like to emphasize, how did this resonate with you and what are you going to do with it? We need to make it worth your while. Absolutely. No, we do. And that's, and that's the reason why we have to keep pushing ourselves to find other areas of what could be interesting and, and also figure out how you can apply those learnings to your own life um, and your students' lives. I, I'm huge when it comes to those key takeaway moments. I'm, I'm always sitting back and reflecting and digesting. <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people where um, it could take me a couple of days for and because it just I'm stewing on it, and then it's like then all of a sudden I get my aha moment of, okay, this was the, this was the key takeaway moment for me. Uh, now, how am I going to apply it? Yeah. And so looking at this a couple of different ways, you started out asking the conversation in the conversation about, you know, as an FCS teacher, you know, how can I get connected with extension? What do they have to offer? You know, so if I were to offer something to you personally, professionally, you know, you'd say, I can go back and tell my students this. This will help me professionally or personally to gain some information. So I didn't know that this was happening. I come into your classroom. uh, If I were invited to teach, I can explain or talk about something. They take it home. They tell their parents or they tell somebody that's significant in their life. And so there's a real snowballing effect of, of what extension has to offer in a variety of different topic areas. That, that can just uh, continue to move on and on and on as people tell other people, oh, I learned this. Did you know this? You can go here for that. And, and, and that's, that's one of the positive things about extension is that it, it's that, that trickle-down effect, the trick, trickle-up effect, you know, of, of how people learn and they find out all the resources, resources. Sometimes we talk about extension as being the best-kept secret. You know, people don't know about us, but, you know, we've been around for hundreds of years. And, uh, and so we, we still work hard at getting people to know what we have to offer. And, um, and it's unbiased information. It's research-based, evidence-based. It's not, oh, I think you need to know this. Well, I, I don't teach. We can't teach that way. We, we teach based on the research. 
and we make it practical for you as as a person. No, that is that's perfect because we can all we all need a, a Margaret V. Brock <laughs> in our life. <laughs> There's lots of Margarets out there. <laughs> yes, no, I don't I don't have a um, a, a covenant on the world. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Um, so one program that I'm actually, I'm really interested in learning more about is just because it, it touches my life personally. And that is, uh, you're a di- uh, diabetes uh, educator. So my 14 year old daughter, she's type one diabetic. And I have all, ever since she was diagnosed, I've been really interested only because it's, it touches my life hard, (laughs) Uh, wanting to become a diabetes educator, Um, being able to go out and communicate and connect with other families who who are impacted by type 1 diabetes diagnoses. and I've done that on the side. It's not nothing nothing that I do professionally, but people do contact me and ask me like, oh, hey, this family I know just was uh, diagnosed. Can you reach out to them? And so I, I usually do. I send out an email to them going, hey, just letting you guys know we've been there. We've gotten through it. It's hard work. It's, it's a Every day is something completely different and your kid is fine. Your kid is going to be, your kid is going to thrive right now. You're just surviving and that's okay. And so I've made a lot of amazing contacts and just friends through just because I'm, I'm pretty vocal when it comes to diabetes education. So I love that there's an extension program for diabetes education. <laughs> so that's something I'm going to be looking into. Great. Yeah. And that, and I know for, for you, it's probably, is the diabetes education, is that more towards type two or is it just for, does it well, encompass both or what? Actually it's looking at preventing diabetes. Okay. So we, we don't, we don't um, speak to type one or type two. We talk to what are the lifestyles that you can change because you appear to have a you know, predominance that you may have diabetes later in life. So we want to help you prevent it. Mm-hmm. But what lifestyle changes can you make to make a difference so that you can delay the onset or never have the onset of diabetes? Yeah, well, my, my waistline should be part of the extension program then. <laughs> Just because this past year, it, COVID, COVID twenty, well, it's 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 grown more than that. <laughs> um, no, just uh, gosh, back in well, it was beginning of December. I went into a genetic counseling uh, appointment just because uh, on my mom, my mom's side of the family, we have colon cancer, and. She was struck down by it. Her her grandmother was struck down by it. And then on my dad's side of the family, there's pancreatic cancer um, and testicular cancer. So we've been, there's all sorts of cancers. But it was so fascinating going into this genetic counseling appointment because I'm trying to, my, I'm trying to do self-care, which I'm not very good at, but I'm trying. And 
seeing how she maps out my family, my family history for both sides of the family, and then being able to determine, okay, you need to go in and do a colonoscopy when you're turning 40. And then that's going to determine what the outtake is going to be, or the outlook is going to be. And then for before we go into actual uh, screening, you can do, you could spit into a little tube and that we will be able to look at all the genetic markers and determine if you are a high risk for any of these cancers or it was huge. And then just recently in the mail, I got my genetic counseling report back and it says, I don't have any of the genetic markers that is of high risk. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Thumbs up. (laughs) Um, That doesn't indicate that I am within that high risk category. Uh, So it's just, it's truly fascinating being able to see what science and technology are doing with that is going to be impacting our lives. Um, And I can see, I can see the true value of extension programs and being able to incorporate those into your personal and your professional life. Yeah. So what is, I guess for leadership and for in the value of these extension programs, what what are some key takeaways for you that is going to help me and so many others? As a as an FCS educator? Yeah, as an FCS educator. Well, I, I think a key takeaway message is, is, you know, look to extension, see how you can become a partner with them, how you can collaborate on some different things, but also looking out into the community more in terms of, you know, what resources are out there that can can enhance your students' lives, let them know a little bit more about what's happening and what's available to them as they get out in the, in the community and they graduate and find out, where do I look for resources? What does it mean about going to the food bank? Uh, what does it mean about getting screening done at the clinic? Uh, who is my resource that can give me unbiased information? And so I think one big takeaway message is never give up looking for something new and new for yourself and new for your students. That's exciting. And and have that aha moment where, yes, I did learn something new and I was able to tell somebody else about it and apply it to myself as well. And and that's a, a great feeling of satisfaction. Oh, that's great. Now with extension programs, are they affiliated with AAFCS and LEAD FCS Ed, or are they just silos? Well, extension starts at the university level, at the land-grant university level. And so those of us that are professionals uh, in different disciplines, we we make the decision what professional organizations we want to, how we're going to contribute to those professional organizations. Are we going to be a member or are we going to be more of a contributing member? Are we going to move into leadership roles to help provide some direction for a professional organization? It, It just depends on where you are in your stage of life and what's important to you. And, and, and how you want to pursue those sorts of things. And so it's, um, uh, we are members of those associations, many of us, and contributing members. And so it depends on, on where you want to be and how you want to, how you want to contribute. Mm-hmm. But as far as extension, B 
being connected to WFCS is that we have an extension community where extension workers can belong uh, to a community within that national professional organization. As, as we have um, communities for other, other topic areas as well. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, as we begin to wrap up today's awesome information uh, session, I would love to hear, are you reading any books? Am I reading any books? Yes. I, I, have, a, I have a couple that, that I've been looking at. And um, one is, is called Mastering Fear. And it was one of the one of the speakers that that we had at our state conference this year, and we also had it as as part of um, uh, an, an extension program. And the author the author of, of Mastering Fear is, is Robert Maurer, and that book. And then the other the other book that I've been reading is called Crucial Conversations. It talks about tools for talking when stakes are high. You know, if you have to talk to an employee about how well they're doing or not doing, or you need to do some discipline, or uh, you need to encourage somebody to do better, uh, have conversations that are just difficult to have. Well, both of those titles are, (laughs) I'm going to be downloading those uh, onto my Kindle here, because those are great titles. And it's, well, Mastering Fear, that's important and crucial conversations because it's hard. Those, those, you could talk to your own kids, but having to talk to a supervisor or, or, you know, have the roles reversed and you're being talked to by your administration, those are, that's scary. Um, so those, those two books I'm going to be downloading. So Mastering Fear by Robert Maurer and Crucial Conversations. Do you know who the author is for that one? Yeah, the author the author for that one is um, is uh, a variety of authors, but it um, um, it is um, uh, Patterson. Patterson, okay. Well, I'm writing this down. I'm gonna I'm going to Amazon. <laughs> Carrie Patterson. Harry. Uh, Carrie with a K. Okay. Carrie Patterson is one of the main authors. Carrie Patterson. All right. Well, you heard that. Now, how about do you have do you have a favorite uh, tech tip? Well, I'm really not very tech savvy, but I'll tell you one that I've discovered in the last year on my computer is it's not a program. It's a it's a it's a a tab that's called Read Aloud, and you know when you write grants and you write papers and you write your progress reports and everything, all sounds good. And then you read it over the second time and you say, oh my gosh, how did I miss this? Or that sounds really weird. But read aloud is you can turn this on on your computer and it reads back to you what you've written. So there's this nice voice that comes on and reads paragraph after paragraph. You can stop at any place and say, now that sounded really silly. Let me put a comma here. Let me change this. But it's called read aloud. And I think that was my best discovery in this last year or year and a half. And I use it extensively for things that I write to have this person with this very calming voice read it back to me and I listen to what it sounds like. Oh, so I have to admit, that is something I have never heard of. Well, and most people I tell about have never heard of it either. But um, you look on your computer and um, it's under the commands and you'll just have to search around or else you just Google it up how to 
add it on, but it's called read aloud. Well, I will be doing that because <laughs> Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm happy to tell people about that. because it was Yeah, fun. no, not, not being really techie myself. It was a wonderful discovery. No, that is. So read aloud. So all you have to do is go down to your Cortana on your laptop or your desktop computer and type in read aloud and it will pop up and it's an app. So that is, that's really cool. And I would love to hear what is, do you have a favorite inspirational quote that just kind of you hold near and dear to your heart? Mm, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Or anything that you live by? Any mantras or mottos? Well, I I think a a mantra that I've had in my job is every couple of years, I do something new. You know, and so people say, God, I'm just so stuck in a rut or I'm just so tired of what I'm doing. And I thought, you know, I've been in this career for a long time. And many, many, many years ago, I said to myself, every couple of years, I'm going to think of something new to do. And I've done that or a new way of doing something because I need to keep my job interesting so that I'm still interested in the people. No, uh, that's, I think that's really, that's important and very insightful because yeah, uh, well, I, I have to admit, I don't do anything the same way twice, uh, especially when it comes to teaching. I'm constantly revamping my lessons or my notebooks or, or it, anything and everything, just because I don't want it to get stale. And I want to add something new that's going to be just a little bit different. So I, I love that. I love, try something new, get, get yourself, if you're stuck in a rut, pick something, pick one area in your life that you want to try something new at, and it's okay if you suck at it. (laughs) Eventually you'll learn it. (laughs) Eventually you will learn it. I love it. Oh gosh. Well, Margaret, this has been really exciting and very insightful uh, learning from you. And just thank you so much for your time and sharing your wealth of knowledge and expertise. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you too. And hopefully um, the audience that hears this will gain something from our conversation as well. Exactly. So if you do you have any uh, social media or contacts, if somebody wants to reach out to you to learn more, do you have any? the easiest way for them to do is just contact me by email at um, vibra at wsu.edu. Perfect. And I will have, I will share your, your email on all my social media outlets for when our conversation airs. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In each episode, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. I'm inviting you to join me in the conversation. Let's share your resources and stories. Together, we are better. Thanks again for listening and helping spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.